Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This is Dr. Casey Patrick, and today we're going to do a quick mini journal club update to our Ross to Cath episode uh, we published last year. Today we're going to update that based on the results of the COACT study. One day I want to have a study with an acronym that's cool. I don't have one yet. I can I can dream. What does COACT stand for? Coronary angiography after cardiac arrest without ST segment elevation. And as you can tell from the title, this applies directly to our Rostecath protocol here at MCHD. Just for a quick review, we wrote that protocol based on retrospective data. We know from that retrospective data that about 25 to 50% of VFVT arrests without STEMI have acute coronary occlusion, and up to two-thirds have significant coronary artery disease. Improved mortality has been seen in retrospective studies, along with improved neuro outcomes with early cath post-arrest, both in VTVF arrest patients and non-shockable arrest patients. So based on that data, we pushed here in Montgomery County for EMS alert and activation in selected arrest patients without STEMI. So just to go through one more time, patient has cardiac arrest, we regain ROSC, we see a STEMI on an ECG, that's a STEMI alert. We have a patient that undergoes cardiac arrest, VT, VF, asystole, PEA, currently in Montgomery County. We regain ROSC, and based on our inclusionary, exclusionary criteria that you can go back and listen to the ROSC to cath lab, check out your protocols to get the exact details there, those patients can also be activated from a pre-hospital standpoint for ROSC to cath alert. Now, where could bias come into play here? Why is the COAC study worth talking about? Why is it something that's on our radar here at MCHD? Well, all the studies that we used to formulate our Rostecath protocol were retrospective. So plenty of bias sources within retrospective studies. The big one being, did the authors only select quote-unquote well patients for cath, leave the less well patients for standard care, report the studies and show, oh, wow, look at these great outcomes when they didn't really include all comers in their analysis or in their treatment protocols retrospectively. Secondly, in all the retrospective studies, there were wide variations in timing. So from study to study, when these patients went emergently versus delayed, it varied throughout. So what did, what did COAC do? Why are we talking about it? I like to think about it from a who, what, when, where, and how standpoint. Again, as we talked about on our other Journal Club minis here, I'm not an EBM guru, but I'll do my best to guide you guys through this. So who did the study? It was Lemke's et al. It's in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's a prospective, randomized, multi-center, actually 19-center study. It was done from January of 2015 to July of 18, so three years plus. Where? In the Netherlands. So it's a Dutch study. And how did they do it? What, what, was, the, what was the end point? What were they looking for? They looked at 90-day mortality as the primary outcome from over 500 post-arrest patients without STEMI randomized to immediate heart cath or delayed heart cath based on randomization. Key in this study is the initial rhythms were all shockable. So there were no asystole PEA in this study. These were all VF or VT. So what did they find? In primary endpoint, 90-day mortality, 
from a clinically important, clinically meaningful endpoint, 90-day mortality to me is, is, is pretty powerful. They're not looking at some random lab value or a blood pressure measurement. This is did the patients live at 90 days or did they die? To me, clinically, clinically important, clinically relevant. And what did they find? They found a 64.5% survival in the immediate cath group versus a 67.2% survival in delayed cath. So in other words, no, no statistical significance there at all. The time to cath was 45 minutes in the immediate group versus five days in the delayed group. And the groups from a demographic standpoint, age, risk factors, all the other demographic factors, the groups were very similar. Just leave it at that. If you want to dig into the supplemental data in the study, have at it. So what questions sort of led out of this study from my standpoint? This is not a, not a discussion of study types, but why, why did this study not show what prior retrospective meta-analysis did? So the data that we used to develop our Rostacath alert protocol was based on these patients doing better with immediate cath as opposed to uh, delay. And are there reasons why this study may not represent MCHD patients here in, in Montgomery County, Texas? A couple of points are worth making. The rate of coronary artery disease in the patients in the COAC study is similar to past data in shockable arrests without STEMI, and that is about a two-thirds rate of coronary artery disease. However, the rate of unstable lesions in this study, for whatever reason, is quite a bit lower. 20% or so unstable with an acute thrombosis rate of only around 5%. So if you extrapolate a little bit with your mind and say, okay, for whatever reason, these 500 patients had less acute thrombosis, then obviously this could result in less benefit for immediate cath. Secondly, these were these were Dutch patients. Do Dutch patients correlate to Texan patients? And, I, you know, the answer there is maybe, maybe not. So what should we do now? What do we do with the data? This is the first prospective data on this group of patients, on post-arrest shockable rhythm patients with no STEMI. So do we stop Rostcath alerts here in Montgomery County? And for all you MCHD listeners out there, the answer is yes and no. We're going to modify. So currently our MCHD protocol reads that we can Rostcath alert any post-arrest patient. We are going to modify our protocol and say that use the exact same inclusion-exclusion criteria as before, but we're only going to alert patients with an initial shockable rhythm. It's data is strong enough where we feel confident that that's the right decision for now. This is still just one study. The rate of occlusion in these patients may not reflect what we see in Texas, and in fact, I doubt that it does. Also, it's worth noting that 38 of 172 of those in the delayed cath group underwent catheterization urgently due to, de due to deterioration, shock, elevated troponin, etc. So there was some crossover that occurred in the study. What that means from a general standpoint for me is that maybe immediate catheterization in the end may not be warranted in these patients, but these patients are unstable enough and sick enough that urgent notification from a pre-hospital standpoint still is very necessary from, uh, from my standpoint. Because we, how can we tell from the truck when that deterioration, when that shock, when that troponin bump, when that's going to occur in these folks? And just as before, and we talked about in the prior Rostacath podcast, this is just a notification. We're not rolling into the ED with weapons and machetes forcing the ED and the cardiologist to take these patients to the cath lab. We just want to notify them as early as possible that we have a post-arrest patient who, based on our inclusion and exclusionary criteria, 
are prime candidates for immediate catheterization if that's what the cardiologist in the emergency department deems necessary. The indecision is in the hands of the ED and the CARDS folks. Important, impactful study. Again, the first prospective data we have on this group of patients, but stay tuned. There are nine more studies in the works. If you look out there, we're going to get a lot of data from this group of patients in the coming two or three years. Uh, Yiannopoulos and his folks at Hennepin, another Dutch group, folks out on the West Coast and the States, there's going to be lots, lots of information coming down the pike for us. So stay tuned. If you have questions or comments, please email us at the podcast, email podcast at mchd-tx.org. Thanks for listening. Leave us a review. If you like what we're talking about, we'll talk to you soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.